Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And this evening, I have my wonderful, dear sister with me. Say hello to everybody, sis. Hi, everyone. I've been wanting to tell my story, and my sister is going to help us talk about my childhood. And we're just going to talk about our childhood uh, as we were growing up. We had to wait a little bit while you ran to the store and tell everybody what you're, what, 4'11", about 90 pounds? I'm about five foot, about 105. She's lying about an inch or two there. <laughs> Four foot 11 and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, and she throws wood for a living. She chops it and stacks it and she's got muscles galore. And she's just a little stick of dynamite. And before she, uh, we got on here to the Zoom, she had to run to the store on a fat boy Harley with her girlfriend on the back, huh? No, she's my friend and she's a girl, but I am married to a wonderful man. <laughs> yeah, okay, my well. girlfriend, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are married to an amazing man. Amazing man. Absolutely. So, yeah, so um, she rides a Harley too. Little, tiny girl that throws wood uh, rides a fat boy. You're amazing. And she grew up on horses horses she was riding riding horses almost before she could walk so we're gonna talk about our childhood and we both believe that our childhood had a big role to play with our attitudes that led us down the roads in our life you feel that way i certainly do let's do this let's go right back to um when we were children i remember is what i remember when I was small, being around the ranch a lot. I, I do remember on the ranch when I was, you know, I must have been a toddler going from cowboy to cowboy taking drinks of something. And I guess it was beer because I would get drunk and fall down. What do you remember? Well, when we were young, it's like an up at the ranch. It's like when they would have parties and stuff like that. Yeah, there was a lot of alcohol going on around there. Um, they used to get the um, the donkeys drunk. It's like one of his name was uh, Francis, and the other one name was Smokey. And Smokey, they'd like give cigars, and Francis, they just like get her like totally wasted on on beer, to where she'd just fall over. So yeah, there was a there was a lot of alcohol going around. Even getting the <laughs> donkeys drunk. Yeah, yeah, and and that was the norm back then. I remember, I remember like. To me, they were bonfires, but I guess they were just like normal fires, but they looked like they were 20 feet tall to me as a kid. But so my grandfather had a ranch and then he had ranch hands that lived down in the bunkhouse. Mm -hmm. And when they would come in every day, they would drink their beer and they would party and then they would get up and do the same stuff the next day. Right. No, that's pretty much the norm. And we we were out there a lot as kids. Mm -hmm. I remember when uh, our mom and dad was married, uh, it was it just, everything seemed to click. It seemed like it was really cool. It was, uh, 
it seemed like um our uncle and aunt lived down the street with our cousins, you know, down on the corner. When we lived up on the hill, it's like um, Mount View, I think it was. Yeah. And, and they had a lot of friends. They were, it was like, you know, very popular. And, you know, we go to church every Sunday. And, I don't, I don't yeah. remember that. No, it's like, yeah. Um, most Sundays we would go to churches. I remember. Oh, you know time. what? I do kind of remember being stuck in some little playroom that was always really boring. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if it was you, but I'm pretty positive it was you that choked on a nickel when we were in Sunday school one day and they had to take you to the hospital and have your stomach pumped. Really? You know, I've cheated death a lot of times. Mom told me out at the ranch, there, you know, that irrigation ditch that went in mm -hmm. front of the bunkhouse. It was yeah. full of water and I fell in a ditch and I went all the way through the culvert and I came out on the other side. It was, she thought I was going to drown and I, I popped out on the other side. But anyway, so um, mom and dad, they divorced when we were four and I still remember that day. And I remember dad sitting in a big chair. Yeah. And I, re I remember sitting on his lap crying because I, I wanted to go with him and and he didn't want to take me. And I remember uh, that was my first, like, that was my first abandonment by him was that moment. And I remember it, it just shattered me. I remember sitting in that same chair. It's like, I, I don't even know why dad was even sitting in that chair. Um, you remember him in that chair? I do. It's like, I remember it's like, because I think there's, that we were told to go in and say goodbye to our dad. And we knew, I just knew he was leaving. I didn't understand the concept yeah. of it all, but I just knew whatever was I mean, going I, on, it was final. I think that, that was it because I remember sitting in that chair too. It's like, and I was on dad's lap and I was begging him not to leave. So um, that was, that was a pretty traumatic moment for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so I remember right after that, I remember I, I, I would see dad's face like in the TV, right? Of, I just saw his face everywhere. Um, if we went somewhere, I would see like his, like the back of him walking away. So I just saw him everywhere. It wasn't him, but in my mind, I was seeing him. And then I remember just standing at the window, looking out for hours and hours a day, waiting for him to come back. Yeah. And he never, I, and he I, never did. Um, I don't really remember a whole lot after dad left for a little while. I was like, I do remember that you and Mark is like, especially Mark, you know, I remember Mark always, um, maybe this was a little bit after. So trying to comb his hair, right. But it's, this must've been a little bit after that. Well, that was, that was Albuquerque uh, when that, that happened. So we'll get to that part. I was like, I think there was a few times. My before. sister's already starting to get emotional over here. So I'm going to, we're going to keep going. <laughs> okay. It's okay. I'm all right. I know you are. And I'll, I'll keep you dialed in, sis. So I remember this, this guy showed up and it's our brother's dad and a muscular guy type guy showing up and all of a sudden being involved in our lives. And the next thing we know, he's our stepdad. Mm-hmm. And we moved out of our hometown and we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And that's when it just seems like that's when, when everything really went to hell right then. Yeah, I think it went to hell before that. 
I don't really remember a lot before that. I remember always having to have my head shaved. I remember that. And I remember that I would get, I would get beat for whatever reason. I remember one time specifically the button had fallen off on my, my jacket and he asked me where my button was. And I'm like, I don't know. And I knew I was going to get beat and I pissed my pants. Right. Mm. And then I got beat for pissing my pants. So mm. it was, it was like a catch 22. Uh, those were really, those were really tough days, weren't they? But anyway, you know what? I want to back up a little bit because before sure. we left, before we left our home uh, mm -hmm. town and we were living on Mountain View, his brother, uh, which would be what, I, I guess you'd call him our, I don't know. His brother was babysitting us. And, and um, yes, well, you know what? I'm not even going to relate him that he's even... Right. It's like, I understand. It's like 110%. So I, I must have been around five years old then. And uh, he coaxed me into a box. I think a little bit younger. Well, dad left when I was four. I, I think it was around five. I was around five when this guy coaxed me into a box. And I guess he was around 17, 18, from what I understand. He coaxes me and he, he tells me we're playing hide and seek. And he coaxes me into this box. And then he tries to force me to give him oral sex, right? <clears throat> and, you know, I'm only five years old, but I knew this shit was, uh, was wrong and I fought and I got away from him and I hid in my closet. And I remember him yelling and cussing, looking for me through the house, right? And then he came in that closet and he found me and he grabbed me and I had this like little bow and arrow set and he grabbed the bow and it wasn't strung. I remember it wasn't strung and he grabbed, he found me in the closet. He pulled me out and he grabbed that bow and he started beating me with it. And I'm running in a, around in a circle and he's got my one arm and I can't get away. And I remember being just pissed off that he, he was beating me with my mm. own bow. And that that's what pissed me off. You're fucking beating me with my own bow and I, I guess I was beat so bad that when our mom and stepdad got home, they saw what happened to me and they, they went, I, I guess there was a big fight. Yeah. It was like, nothing really happened with that. Did well, it? It's no. like, nothing ever really happened with that. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like, we're sorry. It's like, you know. So you know, I didn't, I didn't know this until I was like 31 years old because I didn't know that he did anything else to anybody else because Obviously, he, he did this in secret, like trying to sneak me in a box. But um, you, he attacked you physically, too, didn't he? Mm, for quite a few years, actually. So, yeah, I, you know, our, our mother owned a theater. And, you know, I mean, he would send our sister out to go do something. Is like why he would, you know. Well, that, that, was, like, even, that was further. Did, uh, did he ever, like... Uh, sexually assault you when we were still when you're around you would have been around seven yeah oh definitely yeah so he, that's, he was um, sexually assaulting you while yeah, you were seven. started yeah with, that's when it started mm -hmm. yeah so anyway that's what we had to deal with folks was um we went from the joys of a ranch to some sexual friggin' pervert trying to um take advantage of these kids when he was left alone not trying to he did. Well, 
there was no trying. He's like, he did it. So then we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And and there was just a lot, there was a lot of abuse. And we were in put in situations where um, we would have to go find our own stick to be whipped with, or I would have to go find a stick for you, or you would have to go find a stick for me. So basically getting our ass kicked was a daily occurrence. Well, it's like, and especially as like our, our youngest brother at the time, um, if he couldn't comb his hair right, um, if you couldn't. So if, he would have been four. He, I, I, if I was. When Mark he was would, three years old, he was getting beat because he didn't know how to comb his hair right. And that continued, um, it's like, oh, it's like pretty much the whole entire time. It's like, it was always something about his hair. Not only was he beating us, but he was beating our mom. Yep. And so it was just, we just ended up in this, this friggin' nightmare. So then we ended up moving back to our hometown. And um, so how he, that came apart about is um, mom called our grandmother and grandma showed up with our dad. To take what, us to Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's right. showed up. Something is like, but it was mom and it was grandma and, and dad that showed up to get us back. We ended up moving back and then they ended up getting back together. Then we moved south of the hospital down there and he got us horses. And from the outside looking in, it, it probably looked normal, huh? Pretty much, except for to the doctor. <laughs> You know, it was like the, the doctor is like, he didn't much like um, our situation. Well, I don't think anybody did. And I don't know how you keep secrets in a small town anyway. No, you really <laughs> can't. Especially so, when you're going in for stitches. The, and stuff, the so. first time I ran away was me and Mark. We ran away to the sloughs. And I don't even think you knew about this time. Well, it's uh, like actually it's like the first time that you guys disappeared was you were told to get lost. And that was in Albuquerque, okay. New Mexico. So it's like that, you got beat for that. Right. Right. He told us, go get lost in the mountains. So we did, did what we were told. Had, yeah. And, but we got it. This, so here we are, this like five and four year old. We're at the, I remember this intersection and we couldn't get it past the intersection because we didn't know how to get past an intersection. You know, and these cars were going everywhere. And I guess a cop this is, is this is a catch 22 because you're told is like, if you don't do what you're told, you're going to get beat. But then you did what you were told and you got beat. <laughs> right. So, that, so that was the first time. So the second time I ran away, I don't count that first one because I was. No, it's like it wasn't because you were told to leave. You were told to just like get lost. But the first time I ran away was Mark and I, we decided that we were going to, we packed the stuff up and we went to the sloughs that was down south of the house. Mm-hmm. And we had this vision that we were going to go down into the sloughs where we were going to fish and we were going to catch the ranchers chickens to eat um and live happily ever after right yeah so we went down there we swam all day and we had no idea everybody was out looking for us and we got hungry we hadn't caught any fish and we went back over to this this barn area that by this ranch and i was chasing the chickens because i was going to kill the chickens so that we could we could eat and that's when our stepdad pulled up and he saw me and he caught us. It was and like in that green, um, that green station wagon. You know what it was? Yeah, so, I know that very well. Yeah. So um, he walked because our boots, I was running around without my boots 
because I got my boots wet. And have you ever tried to put your food in foot into a wet boot? It's really <laughs> difficult. You know, your foot just doesn't go into a wet boot. So he Not walks right. us down to our campsite to get all of our, our whatever gear we had and our clothes. Right. Anyway, he grabs he grabs a, a willow from the tamaracks, you know, one of the green ones. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's beating me with that. And he's telling me to put my, my shoes on. Mm -hmm. And every time I would bend over to, to grab mm -hmm. my, to try to put my boot on, he would, he would smash me with that friggin' willow branch that just was mm -hmm. so painful. Yeah. By the time we got to the car, I was just, I was a bloody mess. We also had moments where we had good times together because you and I were in um, 4-H club together. Mm, we used to ride right. our horses. That was a cool escape. And to get around our cousins and stuff like that. Yeah, I, like it was wonderful. It, definitely. It's not know? like we lived in this proverbial hell, but when shit broke loose, it broke <laughs> loose. It's like we rode from one end of town all the way to the other end of town. It's like, and then a couple miles more out, it's like to get to the rodeo grounds. Right. And then our grandpa used to come down and take us to 4-H meets. Yeah. And so, you guys, she's just this tiny little girl. Uh, oh, my gosh. She's like, on, and you weren't that much bigger, so. Mm. On this pony. Yeah, <laughs> but she had a horse named Thunder, and I had one Indian. And my horse was mean. My horse would throw everybody and stomp them. Now, she'd want to just throw the Indian you. was like, she was skittish. It's like anything that went flying across the street, you might as well just like plan on her, just like go in the opposite direction. You wouldn't even know when. And she liked to bite too. She would bite you. So anyway, from the outside uh, looking in, people probably can thought, I say, oh. Can I tell a story about really quickly about with my brother? So he's on his, she, he's on his, Jeanette, it's like, she's called Mary Jane. So it was like his uncle and I was like we're on two other horses, like Showdown and Chubb. It's, Mary Mary so Jane was half mule, half horse, <laughs> and she was the meanest little bitch you ever saw in your life. And she would rub you into a tree, or when you got on her, she would lay down and lay on your leg and just lay there and you couldn't get away. She was mean and she, she, she bit. She would too. lay on top of you. It's like when you're trying to saddle her up or whatever. It's like, but she'd also just like take off running and it's like it's like running as fast as she possibly could. So this is what happened this day. So, so this day, um, our uncle and I and Drifter, it's like, he's way behind us. We're waiting for him. And I was saying, here comes Drifter on this Mary Jane. It's like, you couldn't hardly even see her little hooves moving. You know, she was going so fast. And his uncle and I is like laughing so hard. It's like we take off after him. And it's like we find him is like up, it's like probably about a mile up the way. It's like he's sitting in this little bush. <laughs> and there's Mary Jane just like eating grass around him. Because like what she used to like to do is just like take off running and then she just like stop, completely put her head down and just like you just go flying. And you would fly off. Well, yeah. that day you and you and our uncle were on Chubbs and Showdown, I think. Yeah. And yeah. you guys were in a nice gallop. Yeah. And, but when Mary Jane, she didn't gallop. No. She did two things. She trot, she would trot so hard that she would yeah. almost shake you off or she was going to a full run. And you guys were losing me. So I was kicking her, trying to get her to go. And then she just took off. 
<laughs> and her ears went back and she was gone. Uh-huh. So, it was like it was, I was like still it's just like cartoonish. It's like I can still it's like I'm just like whoa, can't even see her hoof. She's like running so and fast. then she put her head down and and, and boom um, there you go. And I went and there's just we rode bareback and there was no, no just there's no hanging on to, you know. Okay, so anyway, look yeah. um it wasn't all doom and gloom. We had a lot no, of good times. It definitely was and you know what? We loved each other. Beautiful times, yes. Um, Oh, uh, we have another uh, younger brother too, and uh, but we loved each other. But we were taught violence, and we learned violence, and we fought each other hard, didn't we? Yes, we certainly did. My my mom but, later on would put us in the backyard, and this girl used to, if we had a, a dispute, we she would put us in the backyard to fight. Just go out in the backyard and fight. And she would beat my head from one clothesline pole to the, then beat my ass to the next clothesline pole and hit my head on that and then back and forth. You wouldn't stop. Well, and remember, grandma would be out there like, you have mm-hmm. to stop these kids. She was like, yes. Yeah. Like, what are you so, doing? Like, Don't you feel bad? So, any, so anyway, I guess the sexual abuse when we got back to um, mm-hmm. Moab continued with that uh, the mm-hmm. one guy, and, and that's affected you for all these years, sis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I haven't really wanted to discuss it, and I was like, and I still really don't like to discuss it, but um, yeah, it happened, and um, a lot of people don't want to believe it. It's like, and I could care less. I did put it out there on Facebook at one time, you know, and then I just like, I just decided it was affecting me horribly. It was affecting my health. It was affecting the way that I thought. It was, um, I was it, a mess. It affects you to this day, I believe. Well, yeah. And that's another reason like, why you're like I try on not her. to let it affect me. It's like, mm. really? Because I look at it this way. is I can't blame my past on my my future. but But then again, how can I not? Yeah, it's like if well, I could just if I could just like erase everything, it would be perfectly fine with me. So this this is how I look at it, um, and I've I've thought about this pretty hard. It get it put me into my attitude was uh, fuck the world seriously that and I was I became anti by twelve years old I was so anti authoritative. Well, let's go back to living uh, in that pink house. Um, mm-hmm. You and I ran away together one time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found out that our dad was living. Well, it was like because like we didn't really run away. We had permission to run away, quote unquote. From who? Because we did talk to our mother. It's like before we oh, left. Well, I, 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 I don't remember talking to her. I remember I us do. skipping down the road like we're out of here. That's why we were skipping down the road because like yeah, mom gave us permission. It's like we can go live with dad. Well, so we we get over to our dad's, which was a mile or so away, which seemed like forever when you're that young. And um, he was away, right? Mm -hmm. And his wife was there. Right. And uh, she wasn't ready to have two kids show up her doorstep, was she? Well, apparently not, but she told us that she was. So is what happened was later on that day was our stepdad showed up. Mm -hmm. and, um, And he got us out of there. And uh, oh, he said, get in the car now. And we we got we got pretty pretty good for that one, too. Well, he took us down to the saloons and I was like had us um, pick out 
what we wanted to be beat with again, as usual. You know, that used to really suck because I used to, if you get something too heavy, it bruises you deep all the way to your bones. Right. And if you get something too flimsy, it's like a whip and it just stings. And like, it's, it's the worst thing you've ever felt. And then if you get something too small, you're a smart ass and you'll never know what he picks out. Well, (laughs) can you tell you something about getting something too small? Do you want me to tell you that story? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So our youngest brother is, we woke up early one morning and I put him on the handlebars of my bicycle and I was taken off down the street and he put his feet in the front spokes and the bike flipped over. You know, I remember that. I landed on top of him and um, I carried him home screaming and mom took him to the hospital. But while she was gone, I was taken into the basement and uh, um, first there wasn't anything. It's like, well, actually, it's like it was you and our other two brothers bedroom at that point in the basement. And um, so he grabbed a hanger and started beating me with a hanger. Those are the worst. And it's like he grabbed a belt and um, the belt buckle caught in my leg. And I was like, he was just like so pissed off. He was so big. He's like, and he was holding me in between his legs. And he's like, and he hollered up for Mark and told Mark to come down. Our brother. I'm sorry. He's fine. Told him to- he's, this is the brother that died. Um, yeah. from addiction and this is the reason why I do pod- podcasts a lot is because what addiction has done to our family but go on okay so he called <laughs> our little brother is like down and he said I want you to go up and I want you to bring back um, he's it's like he a said um, a stick yeah so our brother brought down he's like <laughs> He brought down this tiny little thing, you know, it's like, because he didn't want, he didn't want to see me hurt. It's like, and so, so our abuser, it's like, said, go back. He's like, he goes, it's like, if you don't bring me back something, you know, bigger, whatever, it's like, um, you're going to get the same thing as your sister is getting right here. And he started beating me again. He was like, and he was holding me in between his legs. And, um, so our brother went upstairs and it's like, and he tore off a piece of a fence and brought it back down, you know, it was like, and, and, um, yeah, it's like, he yeah, was so that, that was a really hard situation to be put in. Um, when you, well, to- it's like, you know, at that point, it's like, I was like, it didn't matter to me what was happening to me anymore because like I was already beaten so bad. That it's like, I couldn't hardly feel it. It's like, I don't think I felt anything anymore, but what was so horrible is it's like to, to watch my brother having to stand there and watch me getting beat with the, with the piece of wood that he brought down. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If we had to get the board for, or stick or whatever. In fact, there were times where we um, said like one of us did it instead of the other person. Right. Exactly. It's like, you've stood up for me before and it's like said, I did it. Mm -hmm. It's like, and then you get it twice as bad as like, so By then, like, it's like, what difference would it make? It's like, I was already beaten so bad. It's like, and then to see you beat after that, just like rolling around on the floor. It's like, so it, was horrible. Is, it was a horrible thing. Is what happens at, with that. So we, we have our youngest brother and then our oldest sister 
didn't endure as much, those two. But is, here's what how everybody in these kind of situations affected. is yeah. affected because our youngest brother ends up with survivor's guilt. And, yeah. um, and our oldest sister. then our oldest sister ends up with survivor survivor's yeah. guilt. And, you know, I, her and I were, went to talk about this not long ago and she just broke down, but she cries easily anyway. It's you know, <laughs> like, she's so, she was like, you know, I mean, for years, I was like, I decided I wasn't going to cry. There's nobody that was going to hurt me anymore. There's no way, absolutely no way on face of this earth that anybody was going to see me cry again. There was no way that any person was going to hurt me again. And that was final. And that, and see, that's you and I got the same type of mentality there because I grew up with the attitude, nobody was ever going to make me piss my pants again. Right. Mm -hmm. And is that gave me a, a, a mindset. <clears throat> it put me in a lot of bad situations and I just had a bad attitude with um, any type of authority, which led me down to some, um, some roads I really didn't need to go down in life. Then, well, I, I don't know. I mean, after that, uh, they got, they got divorced. Huh? When yeah, it's like, you know, the authority thing is like, I have respect. Didn't we have to, didn't we have to escape out of town or something? Wasn't it? Didn't we have to do that? What um, happened? Now? Well, I was like, I was like, I do remember our youngest brother being kidnapped. And it's like, for a long time, it's like, we had to keep bars on our doors and we had to be in before dark. Oh, that's dark. what it was. Like, that's what it was. Yeah. We had to keep bars on our doors and we, you know, it's like, when I was like, yeah, I don't even think there was 911 back then. I don't even think that we had a telephone anyway, you know, but we would have to go in after mom left no, and we'd have to keep back, bars on back our doors. Back then they had, they had party lines, remember? If you got, if oh, you got yeah. on the phone, <laughs> like your neighbors and everybody else would be on the phone listening to your conversations. Oh, but, yeah. It was like anyway, everybody so they got that. divorced. And by that time, like, our, like, our attitudes our, had changed. No. It's like then it became survival mode because like we didn't know if it's like if we were going to be killed or it's like, you know, it's like we always had to have it's like it was like put on our door. It's like there was a sterile bar that went over the top of it that we'd have to keep on the door. It's like as soon as mom left. But in, you know? so afterwards and we get our brother back and um, life yeah. moved on. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're out of this situation and life is going on. Our mom went back into school. Mm -hmm. and by the way. Um, she was beat to a bloody pulp, uh, ruptured eardrum, broken jaw. But anyway, so life went on. She became a full-time student in another town. She got us some kind of, I remember, I can't remember the lady's name, but. I can because I talked to her. It's like, and I apologized to her at one point. I think that made her mad. But well, her. I was so, I was so anti-authority. That poor girl didn't have a chance to. No, she really didn't because we wanted our mom back. Well, we all got together and, and decided that um, this person needed to go and mom needed to come home. And so. Yeah, because we I wasn't going to listen to this person. Well, Except you, you look like, where we came from, the environment we just came from. And yeah. this this girl that can't even, I mean, if she hit me, she couldn't even phase me, right? Um, mm. And she's going to like uh, try to be authoritative over me. And she just w was put in a bad situation because she was put in a really tough situation. That's, that's a different like that. Is, that these kids were not going to listen to her and no. I didn't. And then, you know, mom got what got us up with her, but 
you know, from then on, I just, I, I became anti-authoritative. I, I, me and, me and Mark hang, hung out a lot together then because you, I, you were probably out doing more things. You were older than us and you were sent away a lot. You, well, you went to grandma's a lot and that was really cool for you though. Well, I was like, I didn't just go to grandma's. I was sent to grandma's because I was out of control. Well, you know, we were <laughs> because no. um, she's going to school, working jobs and no, we're not going to listen to And after what we've been through, sis, nobody could tell us what to do. And I don't like, I don't even know if I was out of control or not. Like, like it could have been. I don't well, know. I know I was, I became a kid that other parents wouldn't let their kids play with. Okay. So that's how I know I was out of control. I was sneaking. If, if somebody had some weed somewhere and I could get my hands on it, I'd steal it because I didn't hmm. work. Um, if, if, if I could get beer or whatever, I mean, I, you know, I don't even remember the first time I got high. I really don't remember the first time I got high. And I don't even remember that most people know their first drink and stuff. And I don't remember it. I don't either. Um, you went through a lot, uh, sis. And I want you to know that all that you went through is not your fault. I just want you to know that. And I want you to know oh, I, this. Like, I know that. It's like, I do realize that. And but we don't have to live with guilt and shame. Mm -mm. No, and absolutely not. It's like, there's one thing that I will not live with is guilt and shame because I have no shame and I have no guilt for what happened to us because that was not our choice. I, I know that this, this has affected you for a lot of years and, you know, and we decided to talk about this publicly. Um, I, I, I think... I'm better today with it than I was when uh, I got sober 16 months ago. I think there's been a lot of things that I've addressed in my mind uh, where I think that I'm getting a better handle on it. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so very, very proud of you. Thanks. And I want to bring, I want, I'm selfish. I want to bring the whole family down the sobriety path. We're, you know, we're just going to end with it when, you know, um, you ended up being sent to our grandma's when I guess I was around 10. Mm. That's pretty much after that, you and I, you kind of ended up going your way and I kind of ended up going mine from then on. Yeah. Well, sis, I hope this is okay for you helping me share my, uh, my childhood. I didn't know how to share this on my own. I understand it's, um, there's there's more to it. It's like and there's a lot of emotions that um, still are coming to the surface after all this time. It, it, it is so strange. It's like after all these years and emotions still well up from everything that's happened. But um, well, I hope this helps with somebody out there. I really do. Well, this yeah. is why I'm. You know, I wasn't really going to get into all this, but I see all these amazing people like um, you decided to share some of this because you heard Molly's story. That's correct. Yeah. And Molly's story kind of helped you. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And it did. It, it's like, it, it made me aware that, you know, sharing a story can actually help somebody else. You, you know, um, it's like, I was very moved by her story. Me too. Me too. And rags. Every, every every woman that I've interviewed 
has had some kind of sexual abuse. Kim 44, mm. Kim MC now. <laughs> um, I just need I, to put it out there. It's like that there are a lot of men that are abused as well sexually. It's like that don't come forward. And it's like, well, that's, the best uh, that's, choice, but that's, yeah. Like, that's a lot of reason why I grew up the way I did, sis, because with what they're trying to do to me, I always felt like I, I was never man enough. And then with being, you know, pissing my pants every time that somebody looked at me cross-eyed, I'd never felt like it was, I was man enough. So here I was, ended up trying to be man enough the rest of my life. I understand that. Yeah. And I'm finally to a point where I think uh, at 58, I think I'm finally to a point where, you know, I'm cool where I'm at now. I've been very happy in my situation with my life, with my husband, with, with my son. Um, they've become very comfortable. And um, Well, that's what that's we're, we're going to be well, working together and we're going to work through. A, I, I think that I've worked through a lot and I can, you know, maybe help you work through some years. And then maybe some of these stories like Molly's and uh, Rags and Kim's and everybody else's story can help you out, too, you know. Yeah. Um, because there's healing. Brene Brown, she says that shame can't exist in the light. So when you expose the things that you're ashamed of, it dies. We, right. We were dealt some cards and we did the best with the hand that we were dealt. I, you know, there's so many things that I could have done better. I think we're amazing human beings. I really do. As I, I think that, um, You've, yep. you've been going back to college. Um, you're on the dean's list, right? I did go back to college. Um, it was like, actually, it's like, if you want to hear this, like, um, I dropped out. It's like, I didn't even finish eighth grade. And I went and I got my GED and I went back to college. And yes, I made the dean's list every semester. There you go. Um, and But all those years, you thought you were dumb. I thought I was really stupid is I didn't, I didn't want to open my mouth in front of other people because I thought I was incredibly stupid, but I found out it's like, I'm incredibly intelligent. Yes. And you're beautiful and you're strong as hell the way you throw wood. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, um, I, it's like, I, I consider myself a strong person. You um, are. And you're amazing. Like we have, we have, um, we have a very strong family. We have strong family ties. We have um, amazing, amazing relatives, amazing nieces, nephews, my brothers, my so, sisters. You know, and anybody in our family that um, this has been pretty common knowledge of what's happened, but nobody ever really speaks about it. And no. we were kind of afraid that um, who's going to be affected. And I, I talked to mom yesterday and, and let her know that hey we we we've decided we want to talk about this are you okay with it and she's please go ahead yeah you know? um, my mother is amazing she, she is and, and probably because of well her addictions too and our addictions i mean she went pretty far in uh the counseling world of addiction and got mm -hmm. her she's got her master's somewhere whatever <laughs> it is it's like she's our mother. We don't even know what her master's is. In. Like, sorry, mom, I love you. Yeah, look, I majored in the parking lot, <clears throat> right? I don't know what all this shit is. I'm lucky. Before I even started this podcast, sis, I could barely send an email, right? And now we're yeah. talking on Zoom. 
so yeah. you, never, you never know where sobriety will take you. And that's what I love my sober life right now. And it's changed. Everything has changed everything between my wife, all the kids, the grand, you know, mm-hmm. I was so mean that the grandkids didn't even want to be around me when I was drinking this last time. I'm just mean when I drink. Well, all yeah. of us are, well, you're not yeah. you probably, but well, me and Mark, that's what we did. We drank and we fought and if we couldn't find somebody to fight, we fought each other. And yeah. that's just oh, it was like, that's for a different story on the fight. But, it was yeah. like, we were, we, we grew up, um, we grew up fighting. It's like we were taught to fight. We were. Well, anyway, sis, we're going to yeah. be working more through all this together. And I just, I thank you for helping me tell my part of the story. Cause I, I just didn't know how to tell it. I don't, I don't want anybody hurt. The past is the past, but you know, I've gone over the podcast and if these people are so brave to tell their stories yeah, and Silvertown you. podcast is, is something that was birthed through my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be as strong as the people and, and set an example too. And up, and, up until the other day, um, I just wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. And I just couldn't figure out a way to do the childhood part. Uh, the rest is after the childhood, all the rest of the decisions um, are, are mine. Uh, I, I'm not responsible for what happened then, but once I got a, an age and accountability. Well, um, it's like, what age is the accountability? It's like, we've gone up to 12 years old. It's like, we haven't gone past there. So it's but, like, we'll you know, there's a lot of people that I've seen that have been in really horrible situations like we have, mm-hmm. and they ended up taking the right road. But you know what? Yep. It is the road that, that I took. And then here I am now where mm-hmm. I have uh, over 40 years of uh, experience in addiction and abuse. Mm-hmm. Where You know what? Now I can, there's something I can do. I have something to give back and I'm going to give back, period. Yep. And we're doing this in the memory of our brother with addiction that killed our brother. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Well, and then, and I also hope that, um, now watch out, sis, because there are vulnerability hangovers sometimes. Um, I've seen a lot where people share something, including me. And then all of a sudden you're like, what did I just do? And then, it's like, I don't have any worries about that, brothers, like, because I've shared before. Um, I've written things down. I mean, you know. Cool. Then you'll, you'll teach me how to be brave because. Um, I have, and what little I have, it's been in little tiny spaces. And then I left it up long enough to where I could delete it before only, I would only leave it up stuff up so long. So only a few people could see it. And then click, I would delete. Well, that's all right. It's like, I just write it down and then I burn it. So the, it's like, it's all the same, you know, I love you, sis. And uh, thank you very much. And then remember everybody. Well, thank you for joining us. And remember, to uh to go to the website sobertownpodcast.com we have amazing uh sobriety tools there uh where you can learn there's sober toolboxes sobriety discussions every podcast that we have is at sobertownpodcast.com and uh thank you sis i love you i love you too remember pour the poison down the sink and i just want to thank everybody that has told their story on Silvertown podcast, because all of you have given me the strength 
to tell my story. I was not going to tell my story, my childhood. I was going to skirt over it. And then I've listened to all of you tell your stories and the courage that you have all had to step up and share some really intimate uh, events in your life. And I just come to the conclusion that it's my responsibility to be just as brave as everybody here. And it's, it's not comfortable. And it's been something that I've wrestled with. But as Molly's story has helped my sister, maybe my sister's story and mine can help somebody else. And that's all we can hope for. Um, we're not telling our stories out of malice. We're telling our, our stories because this is our story. And it also just really helps uh, let everybody know what, for me, what my mindset was as a child. And as I got to a certain age, my mindset was fuck the world, fuck authority, fuck you. I didn't give a shit. And that mindset was very destructive. And it led me down to some dark places in my life that I'll be sharing later. So just thank you to all the brave people that have stepped up and are going to step up. And I, I am here with you and I'm going to share all of my story. <laughs>